Welcome back to the Bernie and Sid show. Sid is off today. And in for him is John Katzmatidis and myself, Lydia Serrani. And what you're listening to right now, what is this? This is Elvis Presley. The king. The king. And you know who we have on? For another king. Another king. Congressman Peter King. How are you, Congressman? I'm doing fine, Lydia. And John, how are you? Uh, John, it was good seeing you and Margot last night at Bernie's Wake. What a tremendous outpouring of people. My God. Big, it was big just, turnout. Uh, big turnout. Big turnout. Very big, yeah. And it was sort of like Bernie himself. It was somber, but yet almost jovial at the same time. It was uh, people sharing stories about Bernie and, uh, you know, Bernie did this and Bernie did that. And you know, remember the time that Bernie said this? It was, uh, I, I think Bernie would have liked it. And also without being too descriptive, uh, yeah. I, I was glad that Bernie was laid out in the coffin without his tie on. I um, I left about 8 o'clock last night, and I understand Bill O'Reilly came in right after that. I, I didn't see Bill. I guess I left around then, too. I Chad, you I saw the, Bill? Uh, yes, I he, he walked in as we were walking out uh, in, with uh, Bo Deedle and everyone, and and, Bo, and uh, Bill was coming in. Yeah, yeah. I left right after the uh, uh, deacon said the prayers, which would have been about 8, 8, 10, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chad, you were there, I think, as I was going out. So yeah. I guess Bill came in right after yeah. that, yeah. yeah. The casket was yeah. open? Casket was open. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes. And, and it was, you know, it was classic Bernie. You know, the open shirt, no tie. Yes. I mean, even you know, right yes. to the end, there was no tie. Yeah. And his wife and his daughter and his son could not have been more gracious. His father, who was ninety, you can see where Bernie got it from. He was sitting in the front row. He looked exactly like Bernie, and yeah. he had an Irish brogue, but he sounded exactly like Bernie too. Huh? How are yeah. you? Good to see you here tonight. It was a whole yes. uh, again. It was a Bernie McGurk. Uh, send-off. So as tragic and sad as it was, I think it meant a lot to his family to see such a turnout. I mean, it was just people were lined up out the door. Yeah, Bernie, what was so impressive about Bernie is he was the definition of self-made. This is a guy who grew up in the projects, right? He grew up in the Bronx, a rough and tough neighborhood. He went to Cardinal Hayes High School. He drove a taxi in the southwest side of Yonkers, which is, let me tell you, the Schlobaum housing projects. It's really tough. He's been held up at knife point, gunpoint, you name it. And he climbed his way to the top. He he was brilliant. He was so well-read. He did it all on his own simply because of his guts, his humor, his brains. And he really was just such a, a mentor. And he was always so encouraging to a lot of people, especially us young talent and give and he would give me pointers and words of encouragement. But he'd always have like a funny way of doing things. He'd be like, "For reals, Lydia, for reals." Like, and he just called it like it is. And he, it was refreshing to be around somebody like him who was just so humble and good-hearted. Well, he was never condescending. Never. And, uh, also, he did have to fight his way to the top. On the other hand, he never hurt anybody. I mean, yeah. I never heard anybody talk about backstabbing or being disloyal. Nothing like that when it came to Bernie. Uh, and, uh, again, there was a number of people there, like uh, Mike Breen was there, you know, the uh, New York Nick announcer who worked with Bernie and Imus, of course, Bo Deedle. And they were just telling stories about he helped so many people. Uh, on the other hand, Bernie refused to take credit. Like if somebody thanked him for doing something, he, you know, Bernie didn't like compliments. He, he just uh, sort of shrugged and went on. He just did it for the sake of doing it. He wasn't looking for people to tell him how great he was or and uh, also, like they're talking, you know, uh, people work there in the morning. And the times I had the privilege to co-host with Bernie, I mean, he would walk down the hall. If you didn't know who he was, you would think he was just, you know, an intern. He's just coming down casually, you know, with a shirt out, and uh, uh, hey guys, how you doing? No, no pomp, no ceremony, no demanding, no giving orders or anything like that. He's just a 
just you know, just a, a great guy to be with. Peter, let's go back. To, let's go back. He's going to be missed, though. I'm going to go out to the funeral uh, this yeah, afternoon, yeah, yeah. and I'll see you there. Um, the sadness. Uh, this was Nass- We were in Nassau County, your hometown, and Nassau right. County is going to be screwed big time, along with Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, on this congestion pricing. They used to call it the commuter tax. They didn't get away with it. And now they change the name and call it congestion pricing. I mean, that's a lot of crap. No, it's, it's terrible. It's bad, but it's, it's bad for everyone. Certainly it's bad for the people in, in Nassau, Suffolk, Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx, Westchester, New Jersey. I mean, it's bad for everyone. But in, in the long run, it's going to be bad for Manhattan because uh, you're talking about uh, uh, hurting the, you know, the restaurants, the theater districts. People have to go to the hospitals. People, you know, Lydia's mentioned, people have to you know, bring their parents in for doctor's visits or for checkups. You're not going to be able to do that. So that's going to not only affect the person who can't come in the city or can't afford to come in, but it's going to hurt the city itself, Manhattan itself. It's it, it going to be hurt by this. It just makes no sense. And it's a part of this whole, you know, Green New Deal type mentality. And uh, somehow when all these great schemes are put together, uh, the average person, you know, is the one that gets hurt. The guy living in the ivory tower can say, oh, boy, I'm, I'm really doing the great, you know, the right thing. Well, he or she is not going to be affected. It's going to be the average person, the store owner, the bodega owner. Uh, it's going to be the, you know, the, you know, the small business trying to get started. Yeah. They're the ones who are going to suffer the most. Listen, me, it doesn't affect them, you know, but but the the, the poor, the middle class, the people that got hurt paying more for food prices, paying more for gasoline. Yeah, they are sucking their blood. I mean, you know what the expression sucking their blood? It's like if you te- if you suck enough blood out of a person, guess what? You run out of blood. Can somebody explain to me, Congressman King, John Katzmatidis, how is it that the city can afford to put up the migrants in these hotels? We're talking now a billion a year, all these things, and yet somehow, some way, they couldn't find the money to help fund these MTA projects. I feel like, once again, Kathy Hochul and the Democrats, they're punishing success. They're penalizing specifically the middle class, hardworking Americans, just like the border crisis, like the crime crisis. Now, this congestion crisis, what they want to do to us, it's all self-inflicted. There are ways to do this smarter and better without having to hurt people. Why? Why can't they just do a common sense solution, Congressman King? The money is there. Our budget is twice the size of Florida. And yet we have half the amount of people in well, Miami. Well, you notice, I mean, I mean and almost all of the uh, uh, wounds we've suffered over the last several years, whether it's inflation, which was caused by the executive order, with, uh, or partially caused by the executive order, shutting down the pipeline, putting restrictions on oil drilling, Amazon, stopping Amazon from coming in, which would have meant thousands and thousands of jobs, I this congestion so. pricing. And now with the border, and Joe Biden, when he was running for president, was basically inviting people to come across the border illegally. This whole immigration crisis was under control under under President Trump. Say what you want about President Trump. The fact is the border was probably uh, the, uh, the best control it's been under for the last 30, 40 years under President Trump. So all of this was basically caused by failed federal policies, failed liberal policies, failed woke policies. Amazon, that was going to be next congestion pricing. And also with crime. This was done. I mean, crime was down from 2,200 murders to barely 300 murders. And then uh, stopping the stops, uh, 
question and frisk, the bail reform, the uh, uh, disclosure laws. We can go through all of it, raising the, uh, you know, the age. All of these things were caused by liberals and progressives. So all of these crises we have were all generated. They were all self-inflicted wounds. And it's me, it's, it's a disgrace. And for somebody who was born and raised in New York City, I was born in Queens, went to school in Brooklyn, went to... Uh, uh, I worked over in the Railway Express in the freight yards in Manhattan. I mean, to me, my father was a city cop for over 30 years. To see what's happened to the city when it, under Giuliani and Bloomberg, it had been so great. To see it now going back to where it was in the 70s. In the 70s, a lot of it was out of our control. This is all what should have been under our control, and it was a failed, terrible policies that have been imposed that have caused all of these crises. A recent report that came out via the New York Times says that Mexico's cartels make more money trafficking people across the border using debt bondage than they even do with drug trafficking. So back in 2018, the drug, the cartels, the Mexican cartels were making about a half a million dollars a year smuggling in people. Now they're set to earn $13 billion, $13 billion. Congressman King, you know Joe Biden. Why is he continuously making our adversaries rich and America poorer, poor, whether it be Saudi Arabia, the Mexican cartels, China? He's begging Venezuela for dirty oil. We got great oil right underneath our, our feet. I don't understand. What did we ever do to him? It seems like he's pissed off or something. No, I, I just think that he's he finally made uh, the job he's been looking for his whole life. But uh, he has surrounded himself. First of all, he, he's not. Joe Biden, he was several years ago. I don't think, uh, to me, he has lost a lot of you know, his ability to really function. And he's surrounding himself with these very liberal left-wing people. They've sort of taken him un- uh, uh, under their control. And uh, it, it, it makes no sense. I mean, I wish I had an answer for you. But you're certainly not going to get an answer from Joe Biden because he can't answer any questions. I mean, he just goes off on these tangents. And, uh, again, I, I don't enjoy saying this. I really, as... As an as an American, I want to see a president I can look up to, even if I disagree with him. Obviously, I was not a big supporter of John Kennedy, but I admired him. Same with Lyndon Johnson. And uh, again, uh, it's just to see and, and you know, Bill Clinton. John, you know, uh, John was a big Bill Clinton supporter. And whatever faults Bill Clinton had, you you knew that when it came to being president, he knew what he was doing. You may agree or disagree, but you knew he had an agenda. You knew he had policies. He, and lo- he loved part, America. His policies worked. Yeah, and he the, loved the most America. Part, he, he did love America, and for the most part, his policies worked. I mean, the economy certainly came around, and uh, again, we could quibble with this, you know, this or that. But the fact is, the country was better, I think, after eight years of Bill Clinton than it was before. I think it was better after uh, eight years of George Bush, and it was better after four years of Donald Trump. Barack Obama, I think, was overrated. It wasn't that bad, but it certainly wasn't that good. And then he got to Barack Obama made a statement last night. What was the statement? Did you see it? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I got to look it, it up. It was an important statement, and and uh, we go ahead. You you talk I'll, to I'm Peter. I'll try to look it up. I want to get your congressman. I want to get your reaction yeah. to this. So Tulsi Gabbard. She sent out a tweet saying, I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that is now under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by radicalizing every issue and stoke anti-white racism actively work to undermine our God-given freedom. She goes on a little bit more. What's your reaction to her uh, leaving the Democratic Party? Yeah, I, I knew Tulsi uh, uh... You know, pretty well. She was actually on the Homeland Security Committee for a while with me. 
she's a tough-minded, very independent person. I have some disagreements with her on foreign policy, but I would never question her integrity, her loyalty, uh, and she's willing to be outspoken. And I think it's a real loss for the Democratic Party. To me, she was willing to speak out, willing to be heard, uh, and she was willing to take incoming. I mean, she, was able, she, she wanted to be, engage in the war of ideas. And to me, that, that's what it should be all about. Uh, so, no, this is a big loss for the Democrats. Tulsi is a very uh, uh, – she's, she's a commanding presence. She looks good. She sounds good. She thinks very, you know, very deeply. And to me, this is a loss for the Democrats. This is the type of uh, person they should be pushing for office, not the AOC types at one end or Bernie Sanders at the other age end. No, this is uh, – Tulsi is, is going to be a real loss for the Democrats. And it's, it says a lot uh, – uh, this sort of happened, too, when uh, Ronald Reagan was running for president at the, uh, near the end of the Carter administration. People started bailing out from the Democratic Party. They felt they'd gone too far to the left, whether it was Gene Kirkpatrick. And even others, like Eugene McCarthy, a liberal Democrat, ended up, I believe, supporting Ronald Reagan. And I think you're seeing it now. You have more and more Democrats are just walking away from their party. They don't recognize the Democratic Party today. So Tulsi, uh, again, I found her very easy to get along with, but she was very very strong in her ideas. And uh, so, again, I, I wish her well, and I really admire her honesty and her frankness. Here's the story that came out last night. Obama tells foreign leaders that Republicans are sexist and racist and must be beaten. I mean, you know, I'm disappointed in the, in the ex-president for saying that. Yeah, it's certainly to me inappropriate for a uh, former president to be saying that. And, by the way, that is like plain to... To, to me, whatever fights we should have, we should keep them behind closed doors. And I'm talking about attacking the country overall. To say that you think the United States is racist, first of all, it's not. I mean, you know, the fact that Barack Obama was elected president shows that. And uh, he was elected president, and we can look at all the major cities around the country, which have African-American officials. We can go at every level of society. So it is not racist. Yeah, to, 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 to remind everybody, to remind and, everybody uh, where right. Obama had a problem with Putin. Now. Putin, uh, when he had the Olympics, he signed a declaration that he didn't like, uh, he didn't like gays for some reason. And based on that declaration, Obama told the Europeans and, to, and, and, and told the Olympics committee to ban Putin. And then insult the insult, he sent a gay delegation to see Putin. I mean, you know, look, it's their country. They have to do what they want to do. Now, he likes, Obama likes all the uh, um, uh, Muslim countries. Well, let's put it this way. Why doesn't he say something against the Muslim countries? Because a lot of the Muslim countries take gays and throws them off the roofs, which is wrong. Listen, our country is freedom for everybody, and I believe freedom for everybody. But they throw gays off the roofs in Muslim countries. Yeah, why isn't he calling them homophobic or whatever and for, for them to slam America? I feel like they the reason they, they being the radical Democrats, slam America so much is because they want Americans to, to hate America. And they, they want to demonize our, our patriotism to, to divide and conquer us and so we can be beholden Listen, to the Democratic Party. Why are you saying about your own country that we're racist and sexist? Why don't you say it about Russia if you want to say it? Why right. don't you say it about the, why don't you say it about the Middle East countries? 
Why are you criticizing your own country, President Obama? Because they want to win an election. That's a lot of, how do you say a lot of crap? What is it? What did our old president used to say? Our control booth can't find it. <laughs> he had it before. That's a lot of crap. They're full of crap. There you go. It. There you go. Trump well, did have no, a way that, with words. That, Very poetic. If, 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 after Barack Obama was elected president, he went on an apology tour throughout the Middle East, basically apologizing for the United States. And this whole implicit somehow that the U.S. is unjust, the U.S. is immoral. Meanwhile, the countries he was speaking at all basically denied women basic rights, denied gays basic rights, were anti-Christian, anti-Semitic. They were the, among the worst offenders. And yet he was there criticizing his own country to countries that don't tolerate any of the rights that we give our, our, our people. Look, I was a member no, of the Democratic Party when Bill Clinton was the, was the president. And 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 people in the Democratic Party in those days loved people. They loved the Jews. They loved everybody. When did we change? When did we change? When they started telling little kids boys were girls and girls were boys and they're cutting off their peepees and the wee-wees and all these other things that are going on. I don't know what the heck is going on in this world anymore. Peter King, thank you for standing up for America and thank you for always being there. God bless you and God bless America. Right, I'll see you at the funeral. I'll sorry. see you at the funeral. Right, bye now. Well, are you going to be taking King's Highway? I'm a, yeah, <laughs> do I have to pay Peter King a, uh, a toll? toll? Maybe, right? Do they have little tokens? I don't know Long Island at all, so I have no idea. Let's take that break, and when we come back, who do we have on 905? We have former DEA Derek Maltz. We're going to be talking about the drug crisis pouring in over the border. Keep it right here on the Bernie and Sid Show.